everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie. And Marcus. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing the women's tour, a shakeup in the series. Word. In the show. We're going to be talking about probably Marcus and I's favorite player on the women's tour now that Ash Barty has retired. We're going to be talking about Iga Świątek, who I have asked many Polish sources, and that is how you say her name. So if I'm wrong, you can refer to my Polish sources. Frank, where does that N come from, though? There's no N in that last name. I don't get it. I don't speak any of these languages. It's all Greek to me. Um, So. Lamau. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, So, why are we talking about Iga, Marcus? We're talking about Iga because Iga has won five tournaments in a row, including three Masters 1000 events. She has won 28 consecutive matches. She is 37-3 and on the season. And in final matches, and this is inclusive of before just this year, she has won 16 consecutive sets in finals including beating Naomi Osaka 6-4-6 love in a final in Miami, which is ridiculous. Yeah, quite simply, the girl just kicks ass. I mean, she's just ripping up the tour. She's won five tournaments in a row, is the overwhelming favorite to win the French Open, considering that she won it a few years ago. I believe, was it as a qualifier that she won it? Or something like that, crazy? And now she's going in there. She wasn't a qualifier, but she was... um, uh, it was the first time that she had entered Roland Garros. Like she currently is seven and zero at. She has never lost at Roland Garros. Right. So uh, absurd. Now she's going in there with all this confidence, all this just improved tennis. Just the development of her game has just been outrageous. I mean, I've tuned into a couple of her matches. I really, really, really enjoy watching her play. She's an absolute joy to play. She's got amazing variety. She's got great spin, uh, great speed on the court. Just overall, just their tennis IQ off the charts, dude. Um, really, really impressed by her. And also the way that she's handled, you know, she became number one in, 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 during the Miami tournament and has handled it with such grace, composure, you know, calmness just... It's made her better. It's made it's her so much... made her better. Better, which is just weird. I mean, and, and, and you know, Poland, as as we both know, doesn't really have that much of a tennis presence, especially on on the... I mean, well, on the women's side, okay, we had... Red, we had How red, dare you disrespect Jerzy oh. Janowicz like that? <laughs> <laughs> See, at least on the women's tour, they actually had respectable players like Redwanska. Um, but on the men's tour, they've had... Yerzy Janowicz and now Herbert Hukash but overall Poland not really much of a big of a tennis presence and this girl just coming out of nowhere putting on a show for everybody um, I'm I'm really excited to see what she does with the French I don't see anybody even remotely contending with her this is clearly her best surface I mean t- talk to me a little bit about, about her Frank what are, what are your thoughts? Oh she's female Rafa on clay that's what she's going to be I mean, I know that's maybe a hot take, but she's she's female Rafa. That's her idol. That's everything. I mean, she kind of plays just like him. 
um, when it comes to the clay surface. I mean, she's hitting massive forehands with the same amount of spin generation, actually, as Rafael Nadal. When she won the French Open, she hit 175 winners versus 124, 127 unforced errors, which, by the way, is ridiculous. Donkulous. Yeah, for, like, our, for our listeners, for, for our listeners over uh, who don't maybe follow tennis as, as much as we do, generally you tend to have uh, a, a, a plus minus for winners on force errors. You're generally in the minus in the differential for winners on force. If you're, if ever, you're at even, that's great. And if you're at even, it's like, whoa, you played really well. But the fact that she's in the freaking positive by like thirty shots, yikes! That's that's stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, she just, her forehand's huge. She's got good height. She's 5'9", so she's got a great serve for the women's tour. Um, her backhand uh, might be better than her forehand. She gets tremendous pace on it. Super aggressive play style. Tons of variety. Not scared to chip and charge. Has fantastic net play because of her background in doubles, where she actually reached the final in 2021, um, and she lost to Barbara Krejcikova. Um but uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, Iga, Iga is the real deal. And I think what's even more impressive is that she's gotten to at least the round of 16 in the past four or five majors, I think, which I think says how good she is on all surface and how she's developing her game fully. And you could definitely see why Iga would be good on grass, not necessarily because of the spin, but because of Iga's variety, her good serve, really, you know, uh, willingness to come up to net and finish points like that. So I think the, 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 the ball is definitely in her court. She has the potential to really make a nice run over the next few years, because I don't think there's anyone on the women's tour who is really nearly as good as her on her day. She's only 20 years old too, which is fantastic. She's already got a major win under her belt, winning at 19 at the French open. And I think that this is something that, you know, maybe was like, I don't want to say that she was forgotten, but like she was kind of forgotten. Like the amount of hype that Emma Raducanu got after she won the U.S. Open at, you know, which I think she was 18, something like that. In comparison to Iga Sviantek, who also won the French Open, like just after turning 19, I think is kind of saying something. And you know, I, I just think that Iga has a real opportunity to assert her dominance and become like that next really uh, superstar women's tennis player that we thought that Ash Barty was going to be. But, you know, Barty obviously decided to retire. But Iga, I think, mentally has something that Ash Barty never had. And that is like, an embrace of the spotlight that Marcus just talked about and a really fighting spirit, competitive drive. She actually, she really does remind me of Rafa in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm really excited to uh, continue to watch Iga, And I think she's a fantastic player. Frank, just imagine, I mean, just imagine the state of the women's game I think the state of the women's game is is great with 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 Iga, but just imagine if Ash Barty didn't retire and kept playing tennis. I mean, the women's game would be in ridiculously good hands post Serena era. We we were always worried, you know. <coughs> sorry, we we're always worried, you know, post Serena era. You know, oh my God, what's going to happen to the women's game? 
it's going to be kind of a mishmash. Everyone's going to be a little bit over the place. And then we just get an absolute gem in Iga. We had a gem in Ash Barty who unfortunately retired for tennis. Unfortunately for tennis. Glad for her. That's what she wants to do. Um, Osaka's been in and out of the mix. Uh, I kind of, I, I really wish Osaka well. I wish that she can kind of get 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 whatever mental you know health issues that whatever she's got going on. She can sort that out in order to kind of play more of a consistent, really good tennis and and deal with the rigors of being a pro player. Because I think that with those two, <laughs> and maybe Ash Barty comes back at some point. Who knows? If those three were playing on tour, man, the women's game would be is and would be even more in fantastic hands. Yeah. No. Listen. I think. I think that. Ash Barty being back obviously would be a tremendous value add to the women's tour, but the women's tour is in better shape than the men's, in my opinion. I mean, I think Iga is as real a deal as it comes. I think Maria uh, Sakari has been made a, a bunch of big steps and and looks really good. Uh, I think Paula Badusa looks fantastic. Another one that's taken tremendous steps up. Uh, Garbine Muguruza is still super relevant on tour. Barbara Kreshkova on clay. You can't really like count her out. Ange Jabor is another one. Just got to the final against Iga in yeah, Italy. Yeah, we need to give Ange Jabor a shout out. Uh, uh, a Middle Eastern North African woman playing North tennis African, on this yeah. level. Yeah, that's ridiculous. 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 Yeah, no, she's tremendous. So listen, you you can't. The, the women's side, it looks like it's in really, um, really good shape. Uh, you know, I, I, you, you have to say that they, they look like they're in good shape. What, what I think the women's side is doing now that it has the chance to be good now versus in the previous few years during like that, it's like end of Serena kind of beginning of Naomi Osaka era, like that little 2018 to 2021, you know, era right there. I think the difference is, is that there's a little bit more consistency at the top eight range. It's not just like one or two players who are really, really good. Like you always need to have your one or two players who are really, really good, which is like what Iga is now. And like, I think arguably what you could say Maria Sakari and like Paula Badusa are now, like they're consistently getting to, you know, right. the later yeah. parts of the court. A- Ash Barty but when you start getting one, consistent quarterfinalists, like you're getting consistent, like, top four five players that's when the tour is at a really nice point because there's storylines that develop and i think that you see uh fans connect with many more players and, and that's ultimately what's the best for your game you can't have it be too top heavy but you really really can't have it be like a, a complete crapshoot of parody because that sucks no one likes that yeah and that's why i wasn't I mean, don't get me wrong. I I enjoyed Emma Kana, Emma Raducanu's run at the U.S. Open. It was insane, going from qualifier to Grand Slam winner at 18. But at the same time, it kind of shed a little bit of a light of we probably don't want this every single time, just because the expectations go so crazy high and the level kind of drops here and there. But if we're having, <coughs> sorry, if we're having ego, you know just continuously play on this level. I mean, this is so, this is so, so good for the women's game because it also shows you that you can play women's tennis with a great deal of variety that is not really seen often. That's the thing I'm most impressed by, Frank, It's just her overall variety, ability to hit different spins, different depths, 
different shots, different angles. She's got it all kind of in this one toolbox. And when she throws all these, all this variety at these other women, they don't know what to do with it. They, 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 she has a lot of right? ways I mean, to win a point. It's correct. as simple as that. She has so many different ways she could win a point. And that, I think, is a singular reason why Naomi Osaka has completely fallen off the map for the most part is because there are a lot of up-and-coming women who have tremendous variety on their side, and Naomi Osaka really only has one way that she can beat you. She's not going to beat you defensively. She's not going to throw variety at you. She's just going to try to hit through you. And like for a lot of the existence of the women's tour in my lifetime and your lifetime, that strategy like pretty much worked like all the time. Like that was a perfectly like winnable strategy. Got her four grand slams. But at the same time, now I think we're seeing the women's game really reach a level that I didn't expect it to hit anytime soon. This this really has just come out of nowhere in my like uh, you know in my naive opinion. Um, but it's it's so welcomed. I mean, I think it makes the women's game a lot more entertaining and watchable per, from my perspective. Like I am super willing to watch Iga Fiontek. Yeah, and I also think that it's going to change the development of women's players in the future. Now knowing that, okay, the winning formula that's kind of been done over the last ten to fifteen years is no longer if you want to be a top, you know, three player in the world. Um, now you got to bring in variety. You got to bring in different spins. You got to be able to kind of play an all court game in order to be the best, in order to beat the best, and especially to do well on all surfaces. I think Iga can do perfectly well. You know, like you mentioned, she could do perfectly fine at Wimbledon. She could do great at the U.S. Open. Um, French Open is obviously her deal. Got to the so, semifinals of Australia this year. There you go. I, I mean, sky's the limit for her, and I think it really sheds a great light on the women's game and kind of really improve the development of it in the future. I think the last thing that I'll sort of say about Iga, because we wanted to keep this episode a little bit shorter, um, is that I think that the rise of Iga Sviantek and, and Ash Barty too, but like not for the example that I'm about to make is going back to our American tennis series, American tennis series that we did. Iga Sviantek represents the transition of the women's game from an American women's tennis model to a European model. That's right. that's what it is. Right on. If you haven't listened to our American tennis series, get on that because you're going to know exactly what we're talking about. And if you analyze the women's game from that perspective, you're going to see why it's so European dominated. I'm very proud of Danielle Collins and these, um, you know, American women that we've kind of produced, but none of are coming close to to Iga. Look at the top ten. Just look at the top ten on the WTA tour. Danielle Collins right. only, right? I think she's yeah, only I think American. Yeah, so. I think it's just and, Danielle. By which the way, is crazy. Which is an amazing achievement for her. By the way, um, my buddy, shout out to Pavlos. My buddy Pavlos was her hitting partner at the U.S. Open this year and coached her a little bit fantastic girl works incredibly hard on her game came from playing you know college tennis again same thing that we were kind of talking about uh in that american tennis episode we're going to release a college episode this is the type of players that we we need we need more of and we're not really seeing that in like top 20 30 of the american game especially not the top 10 like you mentioned we only got one american there now 
We used to have dominant American women uh, at the top of the game. It used to be like four or five. Used to be like Sonia Kennan was in there, like when she won the U.S. Open. I thought it was Sophia Kennan. Well, it's Sophia, but I think she goes by Sonia. Sonia. By the way, what has happened to her? Exactly. No, like actually, like she just fell off the face of the earth. Okay. I mean, what happened to Melanie Udan after her run? I. Don't compare those two. Kenan won a to, <laughs> come on. Kenan won a slam, dude. Come on. Don't compare those. Uh I'm having fun though. I'm having fun. Uh no, I actually don't know. I know she got injured for a period of time, and I think that that injury has all but stopped her career for the most part. Um, last thing on this one. Then we're really ending this episode. Coco Goff. Want you to talk about her a little bit. I mean, I, I, and Marcus particularly has good insight into Coco Golf, and I'm sure he'll get into why. Yeah, a, a buddy of mine uh, was a hitting partner of hers, and you know, I think it's the classic. First of all, let, let's preface this: she is extremely young; she's only 18 years old. So I don't think that we should be judging too much yet. She literally just became an adult, right? She was playing on the, in the U.S. Open when she was 15. So I don't want to. You know, I think she's still. Got so was CC Bell Ellis. CC Bellis, yeah. Oh God, what happened to her? That's another one. Jesus. But golf has tremendous upside, and I think that again, it really depends on what kind of situation you're in, right? Iga has a great supporting cast with a, with a great coach, and people understand. Okay, we need to take this day by day. Okay, you're having great success. Okay, but we need to be greater. We're going to take it up a notch. We're not going to get in the way of, of things. I think in Coco's situation from from what I've heard and gathered through the grapevine is that there have been some situations where the parents may be a little bit too involved, maybe a little making too many decisions on their behalf, kind of you know, they think what's best type thing. But again, she literally just became an adult. I I'm not gonna we still need to give her the benefit of the doubt moving forward. I'm also just going to say it. I really think that Patrick Martoglu might be the most overrated coach in tennis history. Like, I, I really, I, I just take away Serena Williams from him. You know, what What exactly is he bringing to the table? Because as far as I'm concerned, I've just seen him work with a bunch of players that, like, it, it, it feels like he's just pandering to them. And he's not actually pushing them in the right way. You know what he is? They, yeah, yeah he, go for it. He is the greatest marketer of all time, business coach yeah. and and businessman in tennis history. Since, I, no, him, not him, not in tennis history. Him and, him and him Ion Tiriak as well. Yes, that Ion Tiriak. Those three. Are, okay, let's talk modern generation. Patrick Mortoglu, by far of the modern tennis game, you yes, you got you got to associate that with him as a coach. Na- most people, most most casual tennis fans can't name any other coach, but they know who Patrick Moratoglu is. Yeah, I, which I, makes no sense. I think he's like a he, good. I think he's a good. I think he's a good coach. I think he. I think he actually is a really good coach. But he's not. He hasn't been really pressing the right buttons recently i think with yeah i mean just when i think about it i i just when you said that phrase of like the parents are a little bit too involved it just made me think of like oh you know who else's parents are too involved stefano sitsipas who like 
Oh, and also, who's coach is Stefano Sitsipas? Well, would you look at that? It's Patrick Moratoglu. And it just kind of makes you think, like, maybe this guy is just, like, that coach that parents go to, and he just kind of says yes, yes, yes to whatever the coaches want. And he's just getting another super talented player to put in the belt buckle and say trains at Moratoglu Academy, and he can just get people to go into his academy, and the cycle continues. And... It, I, I think it's just it's a little bit frustrating for me personally as like a, a, a and you obviously as a tennis geek that like more people think of ten uh, Patrick Moratoglu as a world class tennis coach than somebody like uh, than 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 like Ferrero for example who I think is actually a lights out tennis coach. It's all about marketing, and this doesn't you know this doesn't go just for tennis right. This goes for anything in life. So. Listen, Martoglu's got that figured out. He's got that down pat. He's making stupid amounts of money from his academy, and he's trying to develop men, men and women's tennis players all around the world now. He's got academies freaking opening up at every resort place that you can think of. So he's a really good businessman. As a coach, um, not that impressed yet. I want to see what else he can do with maybe some up-and-coming players. But I think that just about does it for us today, guys. Um, if you have any topics, suggestions, comments on uh, on our episodes please hit us up at breakpoint podcast 7 on instagram you can also email us i know you're not going to but i'm going to say it anyway breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com can somebody please send us a freaking email to make us feel better about having this gmail account open please do um hit us up on aim and blackberry messenger too. aim blackberry messenger <laughs> you know i'll get up my i'll get out my palm pilot to respond yeah, if you want to if you want to donate us some crypto, I know it's really in the tank right now, but like we totally take donations. I'll give you my address. No, no, no absolutely for sure. not. For sure, not getting involved. Absolutely. Um. Well, Frank, gotta buy, <laughs> <laughs> gotta buy the dip. Gotta buy the dip. All right, guys. Good lord. <laughs>